0: This is the American Arts and Podcast, where our goal is to spark creativity. Whether you're a musician, an artist, a writer, or an entrepreneur, we're here to provide you with tools, tips, and insight from professionals and creatives that you can use to inform and inspire your own journey. Hello everyone and welcome to the American Arson Podcast. Uh, we've got a great episode for you today. We're going to be speaking with Jason Wisdom um, from Death Therapy and some of you might know him as well from his time in Becoming the Archetype.
1: Yeah, we're stoked to have Jason on. Uh, he's gotten to be a, a good friend of ours over recent times and uh, we knew that as soon as we started this we wanted to have him hop on for an episode talk about his journey uh, in the music industry his different projects past and present um, and just chat about some different things that are going on in in the industry and in the world right now so we're we're stoked to to get it going
0: yeah and if you haven't heard of his music uh it runs the gamut of uh genres and, and musical styles so chances are uh you'd probably like something that he's done um he's an extremely creative person so he's a great fit for absolutely for this show. so all right
2: let's jump into it then jason how's it going today yo man it's going good good to see you guys yeah you as well good to see you for i'm sure. glad i get to watch a little soccer over there yeah. on Jesse's
1: screen. <laughs> there was there's this awkward uh when I don't have something on there there's this awkward uh reflection and I have a giant poster of like Chuck Norris jokes in the background so you just see like a reverse like image of Chuck Norris's face in the reflection and it's just so I was like what can I do to cover that up? It's
0: like Chuck Norris is looking over Jesse's shoulder like waiting for him to say something
1: stupid He's going to be
0: disappointed. Yeah. Actually
2: that's a great idea. Next time I do a Zoom meeting I'm actually just going to like point my camera at a tv that's playing something interesting rather than myself (laughs) we can just watch that we wanted to make sure you didn't get bored with us this
1: whole podcast (laughs) episode people are just going to be looking right here just watching
0: yeah totally so how are you staying busy during the the quarantine here that we are hopefully coming to the end of
2: yeah that would be would be awesome right um uh so just trying to write a bunch of music and create a bunch of content and stuff. Um, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's totally cool if artists don't have time. I mean, a lot of artists are first responders and people like that who have to work or they're in essential jobs, but like people like me, I've been saying for years, man, if I just had the time, (laughs) you know, I would, I would crank out a ton of music and I mean, usually, usually I say if I had the time and the money, but right now money's, uh, nobody's got the money. Right so i feel like i kind of have to be i guess what i'm saying is i feel like this is almost like a proving ground opportunity for me to be like well cool so you gave me three months let's see what all i can crank out so um, yeah (laughs) i think that's
0: the that's the that's the challenge right now right because um as creative people you know whether it's musicians or or in another creative field we we finally have the time uh that we've always wanted but um maybe it's a little tougher to find uh like you said maybe the money or maybe it's just the inspiration I, I know for me it's it's hard to get inspired when uh i don't leave my property all day it's just sort of you know there's yeah, there's only yeah. so much of the same four walls you can see um i think it it's it's evident to me now that life uh and the living of life is is what inspires me and um so yeah i had to kind of force some creativity have you have you had anything like that or
2: have you felt like the ideas are are coming well, first of all, don't deceive people. I've seen your posts about hiking through the beautiful <laughs> wildernesses. That's true. So. I, I
0: was able to finally get out last weekend. It was the first time that I've been out of the county that I live in in three months. So we, uh, they, they canceled, they actually canceled our backcountry uh, wilderness backpacking site said that that was not safe for social distancing <laughs> but thankfully oh, yeah. and this was a trip with my brothers and my dad uh we've been looking to to take for a long time so thankfully we have a friend up there that had a cabin pretty isolated so we were able to go and do the hikes uh, uh just not the uh the backpacking part so yes yeah, so that's uh i did come back yeah. from this weekend feeling pretty
2: inspired but awesome awesome well for me um i kind of have a backlog of ideas that are kind of just laying around and um so even when I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I have to be inspired, but for me, it's less about being inspired and more like, or maybe this is what you mean. Like I have to be excited about the idea Yes. at the times. Yeah. So, it's like, I have no shortage of ideas. It's just a matter of like, does that get me excited right now? So, um, so Absolutely. I, so during this time I, I've written two EPs for death therapy. Um, one of which Dang. is one of which is now manufactured and hopefully I'm going to be mailing those out. Fairly soon to people, released a couple singles already, and have another one coming out in a week. um The second
1: EP, the, the dance therapy one. Yeah, yeah, do. yeah. Okay,
2: it's all like instrumental electronica stuff, which is something again like that was a backlog idea that I've had for a while. And just
1: yeah.
2: when it was like, well, I can't go to a real studio, so <laughs> what can I just do sitting on my laptop? Well, I can totally make dance music. Um, yeah you know
1: it sounds incredible i was going to say like I, I mean it's obviously different from from stuff you've released, at least um uh, i'm familiar with before um and but it's it's really cool and even like the the really sweet like classic video game style visuals mm-hmm. you're putting out with it like the whole yeah. concept behind it is really sweet and it seems like it's there's been a good reception to it too yeah, so
2: far so far people seem to get it. I mean, there's been some people who kind of are like, <laughs> you know, boo, I wish this was something else. But that's always the case. <laughs> Having yeah. been like a dude who was in another band that was somewhat known before this. Um, there's always the people who are like, boo, I wish this was the other thing right. um, when I put anything out. Yeah. But but the uh, so the second EP is like traditional songs with vocals and and stuff. And I've recorded that. um in a studio and which has been kind of, that's why that one's taking longer because there was quarantine stuff and trying to get time in the studio. Um, but yeah, so the, I've been working on that. Um, I'm working on a couple cover songs. Um, I, nice. actually, I actually, as of today, have a song that just went live on Spotify that nobody knows about because it's actually for a project that like,
1: oh, shoot. I haven't even
2: really decided as a thing. Um, so I'm working on, so, so like, and I've got two or three songs for that other project, which is like kind of like I accidentally wrote some hardcore songs. Um,
1: <laughs> accidentally. So, yeah,
2: I mean, I was just sort of like, well, these <laughs> don't really fit for the other stuff, so maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll have to hit up old uh, Jason Dunn at Face Down Records and see what he's doing. Um, <laughs> you sure, go. he would take some, your call. <laughs> some hardcore music going on, but um, but yeah, so there's that, and um, yeah, I feel like when it's all said and done over the three months, I'm hoping that I. Wrote something like thirty or forty songs, um, and partially at least produced them. So,
0: awesome. staying busy,
2: man, staying busy. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. So, I think one of the things we were talking about in the intro is just how your music um, that you've been involved in, you know, over your career, has just really run the gamut um, of you know musical styles, genres, uh, subgenres, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think I saw somebody just describe um, one of the recent singles as um, the music that you would find in a boss battle in an old (laughs) video game. Uh, And then uh, I don't even know, what
2: would you describe, what would you call becoming the archetype? What, what did you
0: guys Uh, usually classify? Yeah. So,
2: so becoming the archetype started as like a, you know, a technical death metal band and then kind of progressed from there to like a progressive metal band and then sort of, ended up as sort of like a I don't know like the last record that I did in 2010 which is called Celestial Completion which was the first record that Daniel Gailey who's in Fit for King and Phineas um, he jumped in the band during that I would say that record is just like a straight-up experimental who knows what there's like a ska there's like a ska song on that album if you if you haven't checked it out there's a there is legitimately like a ska metal song um, <laughs> that's awesome d- i have din- not d- heard that one I oh, yeah. I, I, I went there's,
1: back and listened to some of the some of the older stuff from, from there that i yeah i hadn't uh touched on in a while but i now i'm gonna go searching for this yeah there's a song now. called
2: there's a song called cardiac rebellion and it features guest um horns by dennis cult from five iron frenzy oh man um, awesome which was like, favorite, was like my favorite it was like my favorite band of all time and so we we hit him up and he so like there's horns throughout the whole song even when it's kind of metal but then it goes just like there's almost like this time warp kind of like moment in the song and then it just goes full blown ska at the end um,
0: That's great. with great, incredible
2: a, with the solo. So so you've covered um,
0: more genres than we even came into this conversation knowing about apparently.
2: Right. <laughs> so how well, did you. yeah, totally, totally. How did you I feel like it's been a little bit of everything over the past 20 years.
0: Yeah how did you get your your start in music if you, you you have such an eclectic range of of genres that you've been a part of what what kind of kicked the whole thing off
2: um so i kind of got into playing in a band by accident um but <laughs> my musical journey sort of starts with just being like a a youth group kid who got introduced to mxpx and the supertones um <laughs> And,
1: throwbacks
2: yeah and i was super super into that stuff and then i got into five iron frenzy so i like my my journey to like heavier music began with like pop punk and um ska
1: Absolutely. stuff in in the
2: mid to late 90s and then i got into pod um and then like blindside and project 86 yeah who are those three they kind of they all like coexisted at that time um POD kind of blasted off past the others but it, <laughs> yeah. when I when I got into it it was like Blindside and POD and Project Six were all together like all the time yeah um and then from there sort of I don't know I got into like Living Sacrifice which was like my intro to like death metal you know music and stuff
0: so I was <laughs> yeah. totally
2: a tooth and nail kid um which is kind of strange because I've spent 20 something years you know putting out records on Solid State Records, <laughs> Tooth and Nail Records, yeah. Um, but I definitely grew up as a Tooth and Nail kid, and um, and then yeah, like I said, I kind of got into playing in a band as an accident. I had a friend who was starting a band in his basement. Um, I didn't play an instrument. I didn't. I wasn't intending to be in the band, but they sort of needed somebody to yell into the microphone.
1: I think we. <laughs>
2: the, I think we covered like the very first thing I ever did with him. We covered a Zao song at a nice. at a school at a school talent show. <laughs> like a battle of the bands kind of thing i think that Uh, might have been my first show too, a school talent show yep yeah so we scared the crap out of everybody and lost to some (laughs) and lost to another band that played like a beastie boys tune
1: Um, Uh, (laughs) makes sense right
2: yeah so that's how old i am um but anyway but uh but yeah so the video games actually because you mentioned that play a huge role in that i didn't realize till i got into like my 30s that how much video game music had influenced um my musical taste you know yeah Yeah. eight eight bit music and stuff also but i mean i don't know by the time you got to like nintendo 64 which was like the seminal like system for me i played a ton of snes and i could i would argue with anybody that the snes is the best system ever but um the 64 was like it changed my life. You know, I'd, go, I played, I'd go
0: 64, yeah. but I can see why you'd go SNES. <laughs> yep.
2: Well, uh, okay, so just a brief argument for why I think the SNES is a better system. <laughs> Not that I necessarily enjoyed it more. Go for the, it. But the the 64 doesn't really have any catalog of good like RPGs, um, whereas the SNES kind of had everything. There was Mortal Kombat was on the SNES. If people don't remember the original Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. and then you had like classic final fantasy games also on the snes it was also the first it was the first controller that had the four button configuration and the shoulder buttons which is what everything has uh followed after that right. so anyway from an objective level i feel like that system sort of changed the game but but yeah i got into ocarina of time and stuff point. and mario 64 and all those games on 64 and it, the music is still with me i watched a video like this morning of some guy playing Uh, on classical guitar playing a Super Mario 64 song. That's awesome. (laughs) It's just like, it's a thing, you know, August Burns Red, August Burns Red did a Zelda thing, you know, I mean, it's just, so.
0: Yeah. I mean, my brother has a podcast where they, um, where they review vintage games. And one of the things that they always talk about is, is the soundtrack. I mean, if it's something that you have to listen to over and over for hours and hours when you're playing, you know, um, that's going to affect your experience for sure.
2: It's subconscious, I guess, is what I... That's why I say I didn't realize it till I got older. And then people were like, why do you make this electronic stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like my... It feels like what I want to hear, Right. you know?
1: So was this dance therapy EP then something like... Maybe you didn't know you know what project was gonna encompass it but like was it always kind of something you had wanted to do at some point or well yeah i mean just kind of came out of nowhere so the first
2: two death therapy full-length albums have each of them has like one or two songs that are eight bit kind of influenced so that was like a part of what i wanted death therapy to be from the beginning but death Death therapy was always sort of like so in bt when i was in becoming so i'm gonna call it bta because that's just I'm used to that. When <laughs> nice I was nice. at when I was in BTA, BTA was like a, a very traditional like band. Like you know, we got together, we wrote the songs in person with each other, we jammed, we cussed each other out and said your riffs suck and <laughs> my riffs are good, and you know, and um and we did all of that and fought and had member changes and toured and broke vehicles down and you know all kinds of terrible stuff and all kinds of great stuff. But <laughs> we had we always had like a very like sh- like we were trying to be a metal band. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we wanted to peel people's hair back with technical riffs and blast beats and stuff. With death therapy, I kind of just wanted it to be stream of consciousness. Like, it's just me. Um, I do like, you know, I play with a band live when we play, but like, I write all this yeah. stuff and record the stuff. So I just sort of was like, let's just see what happens. Uh, turns out that when I just see what happens, it sounds kind of like a mix between limp biscuit and video game
1: music <laughs> <laughs> i'd i'd say i'd say you're you're better than limp biscuit
2: which is which is that's what i you know i 1997 plus video game music is that's that's my life there
1: you go i, I just saw i just went before, before quarantine, I went last this past year to uh the Wonder Years tour they did around Halloween where they were dressing each band on the tour dressed up. They would come dress up as a as a former band, come out and play like a short, like few song cover set as that band. Yeah. And then they would go back in, come back out and do their set. And the Wonder Years was performing as Limp Biscuit and it was incredible. <laughs> it was it was See? it was it was great but no that's awesome was it you mentioned playing like live playing with the band live i know Mm -hmm. you started it as a two-piece and now i believe you added a keyboardist was it right
2: yeah so i mean the the core of the band is still really just a two-piece but because there's so much electronic element in what we do i thought in 2018 2019 i was like it'd be really cool to bring a live keyboard player Yeah. Um, to play the keyboard stuff. Plus, I feel like, well, I feel like, the you know, one of the things people resonate to when we go play is they're like, wow, I don't get to see a bass guitar player like front a band where I'm not hearing a guitar that covers it up kind of thing. Right,
0: Um, yeah.
2: And so a lot of bass players really like that. But then to me, the keyboard, especially in like rock music and metal music, is usually like a totally like a side instrument. Like, I mean, this is going to show my age again, but like I can remember... (laughs) I can remember like going and seeing like Under Oath in like two thousand four or yeah. something and just like the keyboard player basically would like hit a note and then run around the stage. Yeah, you're like, is
0: he on? Is he the hype man? <laughs> is, he, yeah. is he like he wasn't the- <laughs> yeah,
2: he wasn't playing the keyboard. He was he was he was yeah, he was headbanging, which was amazing, am- which was amazing by early the way. I'm not Devil insulting was Prada you. days right.
1: when they had their keyboardist and stuff. Yeah, just... Totally. And i so am actually... not
2: do- I'm not dogging on that. What I'm trying to say is since my music features a lot of actual keyboard stuff, I thought it'd be kind of cool to like have someone come show off the keyboard. Yeah, but, absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah I've heard, I've actually had an opportunity to hear um, just the isolated tracks of, of keyboard tracks from some of those old under albums. And uh, yeah, it is going on. It is happening. It's, it's squashed yeah. to the bottom of the mix. And I think like you said, um, that's a lot, especially if you're not a, a musical person, you know, for uh, for somebody who's, who listened to a song who's maybe not a musician, um, maybe they would notice if the bass wasn't there or they would notice right. if the keyboards weren't there, but uh, it doesn't jump to the forefront of their mind. So it's really cool that you've kind of taken the instruments that, you know, people might consider to be uh, background or or, you know, kind of filling in a different register. And then and put those on display. Did you, did you? So was that a conscious decision when you went into death therapy that there's not going to be uh, guitars kind of uh, leading the line?
2: Yeah, I would say that if there's anything that's going to remain consistent, it'll probably be that there isn't a guitar player. Um, because as far as like, well, is it a two piece band or what? I mean, I don't that part I don't care like. One of my musical heroes, which I actually got a chance to record an album with him in 2008, is uh, Devin Townsend. And oh, yeah. I think Devin's a genius um, and he's amazing. He's also completely insane. But, <laughs> um, but Devin um, has a Devin Townsend band or whatever. And sometimes it's just yeah. Devin and he blows your mind. And then other times it's Devin with a literal circus yeah. on stage. You can actually look yeah. it up. He's performed with a circus um (laughs) guys
1: yeah and so in in the best way possible right and so i guess what i'm
2: saying is like i kind of look up to that and i think if death therapy ever did a tour where it was possible to bring like three drummers and like (laughs) two keyboard players and like you know backup singers and like dancers dude i would be all for it i don't care if it's a two-piece or a 30-piece but i doubt that i doubt that it'll ever will ever get away from the you know the bass driving yeah the the thing Mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing So,
0: what motivated you to
2: to kind of put the bass at the center th- like that? Um I felt like it was a challenge personally because in becoming the archetype, I was the the lead singer, the vocalist, and I I played the bass, but I didn't really write parts. Um and I feel like a lot of times with bass, it's super easy to just like well, okay, what did the guitar player play? Okay, cool. Well, I'll just play something to right. fill in, right. you know but if you actually have to write a whole song that focuses around the bass all of a sudden it's a challenge to make the bass parts interesting <laughs> enough to carry the song forward mm-hmm. um so um i mean there's obviously there's there's amazing songs out there classic songs like another one bites the dust or or whatever where the guitar comes in and it's just like a little added icing on the cake but the bass is what drives the song
0: right yeah. uh,
2: so it can be done and i just feel like with heavy music it's almost never the thing so yeah um i wanted i wanted to try i wanted to try to challenge myself in that regard but there's also a practical aspect which is like i'm a bass player i'm not really a guitar player um i know you do the octave thing like i do the octave thing Mm -hmm. i do them i do we do in the opposite directions um But like, we'll have to um, do
1: it. We'll have to do a split where we like yeah. combine, and we bring the guitar into death therapy, <laughs> and you bring the bass into American arson or something. It'd be really like fun. It'd be
2: really funny if we used the octave down guitar tracks from you and the octave up bass tracks from me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so so it's it the on. bass that sounds like the guitar, and the guitar that <laughs> sounds like the bass. Uh, that would actually be kind of fun. Oh, but um, but I guess what I'm saying is like, there's a practical aspect where. If I was going to do a project where it's basically just me, um, and the reason the reason for that is I want it to be something sustainable. Um, yeah. I, I I quit music for like six years, five five or six years. Didn't even touch an instrument. I put it under my bed. I didn't play at church. I didn't play anywhere. Um, after I left, becoming the archetype, and I, I think it's still surprising to my wife that I'm playing music now, because um, she's <laughs> kind of like she just thinks like, well, you know. That was something Jason used to do. Right. Um, So, I guess what I'm saying is, I wanted when I started Death Therapy, I wanted actually, when I started it, I didn't intend it to be a band. I was just like, I want to write music because I got music inside that I want to write. Yeah. And once I determined it was going to be a band, it was like, how can I make this sustainable so that in five years, I'm not going, hey, I hate to acknowledge them. The band's breaking up, you know? Yeah. If it's just me and my bass, then the band's probably not going to break up. It just might change. Um, whether or not we can tour. So that's yeah. actually been one of the, the, the great blessings of this quarantine. Like I said, I totally understand if some bands, some I mean, a lot of bands are cranking out new material during this um, quarantine. Some people can't. But like for me, I while I'm waiting on the second EP worth of stuff, I'm just like, well, cool. Let me just create some more instrumentals and let me right. do some cover songs and right? Some hardcore songs on accident, you know? Yeah. I so. think
0: there's a freedom uh, when you reduce, um, you know, the numbers. It obviously comes with challenges, like you said, the practical challenge, but I think there's freedom. You know, we, something we've gotten asked about quite a bit is why we, you know, chose to be a two piece. And then, you know, all of the advantages to being a two piece, whether it's logistical or whether it's just, you know, less interpersonal tension, um, things like that. But yeah, one of the, right. and there are certainly all of those, um, positive aspects, but you know, when, when it does come down to let's get on the stage and play this stuff live, there are practical challenges that exist for sure. For as much as for, for as, um, for as many positives as there are on the other side. So what do you usually uh, do live to make sure that you still have that full heavy sound, um, being carried, you know, through the bass? whether from a technical perspective with gear or, um, you know, what,
2: what is your strategy there? So I have, um, I have been on the journey with that. So I, I've gone all the way from the like humongous pedal board. Mm -hmm. Shout out, shout out to Evan's (laughs) pedal board. Um, I've gone all the way to the humongous pedal board. um, And then we did a tour with Wolves at the Gate and Wolves at the Gate was kind of like Steve from Wolves at the Gate was kind of like, dude, that pedal board's ridiculous and and i was like okay he was like dude you got to minimize that that thing and i was like okay so i tried actually in the middle of that tour went to a music store and put it all into like rack form other yeah. than like two or three two or three pedals so like I actually had the pedals in the rack in a drawer oh cool so it was like, like i still had the pedals but the ones i didn't ever touch were in a drawer and then i had the couple or three that i did touch in the volume pedal or whatever so i minimized it to a rack unit and then i was like okay well let's just go digital so then i started doing digital you know this or that and splitting the signal out digitally um the key to the sound for people who don't know is is splitting the signal you know at some Mm -hmm. point early in the chain so i split it and then one one side of it goes into a pedal an octave pedal i use a pitchfork pedal i think it's a great pedal love the pitchfork
0: Um, have one as well
2: uh, yep i've tried a lot of them i used to have a pog i think the pog works better for guitar um, than the bass. Um, the pitchfork is just perfect for the bass. Um, so anyway, and then one side goes to a guitar. So what I would do is I would show up live, I would send one side to a guitar amp, and I would send one side to a bass amp. And and I have people, even like last year at uh what was it, Uprise Fest, Daniel from Fit for King, Daniel Gailey came up. He's like, dude, I just can't believe how much it sounds like you're playing guitar. Um <laughs> but then even since then, I was kind of like, Well, you know what? maybe that's not the approach I want to take because I feel like a lot of people listen to death therapy and they don't know that it's just bass. Okay. Like it's almost, it's almost like I've done such a good job of making it sound like a guitar (laughs) that I've tricked them. Okay. Um, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So like, so if they see us live, we get a lot of comments like, Oh, I didn't understand your band until I saw you live. And now I kind of get it. (laughs) Right. Um, And so, so even now, I'm starting to think in terms of like so now my pedal board is like it's like four pedals, and I'm just going trying to go for like i'm still using a little bit of that octave up sound, but usually when we show up live now, I'm just plugging into like an eight ten cab and just going for a humongous bass sound with some of that high end
1: okay
2: because um, I kind of want it to sound more like a big fat, nasty bass, you know then right, so it's a little more obvious yeah. to people i so I guess what I would say is it's a it's a difference between like um you know, band like Death From Above 1939 or the Royal Blood, like Royal Blood does a really good job of tricking you sometimes into thinking it's a guitar. Right. If you're not aware, but Death From Above is like, it's just a big fat, nasty bass. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so we'll see how that works out. But like the new stuff I'm working on, that's got vocals. I think we're shooting more for just a big nasty bass so that when people hear it, their ear will immediately recognize, Oh, this is, this is a bass guitar band yeah um, you know what i mean so yeah we deal with a lot of the same the same kind of stuff and to be fair you have you have the unfortunate like uh association of playing like at christian music festivals where every christian rock band doesn't have a bass player <laughs> but they just use a backing track i
1: didn't think so i don't about think
2: I, I think a lot of the bands don't have any actual musicians it's just everything well, is on is. the backing <laughs> track okay okay but what what i'm saying is like so a year or two ago we played, and I won't name any of the bands, but we played on a stage oh, yeah. at, at a festival, so I won't name the festival either but so people don't go look it up <laughs> played we, a stage at
0: a festival, festival.
2: <laughs> we played at we played at a festival on the on the rock stage, and i I'm not kidding <laughs> I filled in on bass guitar for project eighty six so that'll narrow it down for some people. so they didn't have a bass player because I filled in and then all of the other bands on the stage that night, except for us. And Demon Hunter had bass on the backing track, so there were like eight bands that didn't have a bass oh player, and they just all. Gosh. So then, if American Arson were to show up, they would probably just assume that you have the bass on a backing track, yeah. right? Because that's par for the course. And that, to me, as a bass player, of course, bums me out that none of those <laughs> bands. Uh, and I'm trying to corner the. I'm trying to corner the market. I'm like, hey, guys. I'm available. I'll be at the festival. You just want to throw me some money. I'll learn your songs. Play eight sets in a row. I'll just
0: play every single set. Yeah. So there you go. If you're a bass player out there, this is what the world thinks of
2: your value right now. (laughs) Yeah. You can easily be replaced. I, I get asked the same question though. Sometimes people will come up after show, even when they see it and they get what we're doing, they'll say, Oh, so like, is the guitar on a track? And I'm like, no, like so. So now, so now, I'll even sometimes I'll in between songs I'll even just like you know give a couple like chunka chunkas to be like just so you know. This is—it's <laughs> not on a backing track. This is me playing. Yeah. So.
0: yeah. Well, we used to—we used to explain uh, live looping to everybody, like at every show. it's hey, I'm gonna. And this, then this is, is kind of what we're doing. It got to be
1: not worth it.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, if you can't watch and realize that I just played a part, I hit the pedal, it played back, I played a different part, I hit the pedal. If then you're probably really not paying attention, and you're not gonna listen to me explaining live looping anyway. Yeah. So now we talk as little as possible. Yeah. yeah,
2: and that totally, totally, I get that.
1: I get we also that. had someone ask if we needed a drummer once, and yeah, I just kind of just yeah,
2: yeah. We have a well, collection. I get that. I get that about guitar players all the yeah. time. Like, I man, if you ever want to get a guitar player in the band
0: yeah yeah almost as if you hadn't thought of it
2: right as if it's like
0: i didn't realize we've been a
2: band for five years and we just we just keep looking we can't find one yeah a rock
0: rock band with a guitar player that's something i had never you know just had never crossed my mind until you sent me this random instagram message and
2: so so i know you're interviewing me i'm not interviewing you but just, (laughs) just as a random like i didn't even realize i was sitting where i'm sitting but so speaking of gear when you played at this venue, which you may recognize, the back, uh, the back, is that the stage back hallway area.
0: of the Chain Reaction?
2: Correct. Yes. When you played at yep. this venue, I heard there were some there were some power issues that you ran into with your pedal board, <laughs> to say the yeah. least. Well, so I, the so whole you, stage
1: just blew up.
2: Yeah. So would you say, and this is all I'm saying, would you say that you've run into issues where your sound is super dependent on your gear working, and it just becomes a nightmare when it won't work? Well
0: it i i guess the the short yeah. answer would be yes because it happened that yeah. time um we did get to, <laughs> we did get to play and we do have a few songs too that um that don't have any looping I think actually our, our newest album is um, more heavily in favor of songs that don't have looping um, and that was the side of the pedal board that power was was not getting to for some reason was the looper side so um, His we, spaceship was just too right. much for the but to, the but the longer you know, answer would be that that is the first time that that's ever happened we've really right, yeah okay. okay. on,
1: on that scale we've we've had minor you know obviously like minor technical difficulties live like but, but those are the know, ones but, that no, any normal nothing band like would that.
0: have um, yeah. n- nothing that nothing that is uh, you know inherent to
1: the way like that a, we play. a loop playing back wrong or something like that you know maybe one pedal you know goes out or something but it's usually something he or I are able to like fix really quickly totally. on stage yeah that and was a f- e- even if we have to stop we're able to get it going again and not have any issues that was the first time we'd had it to the scale where we quite literally had to stop our whole set right. Well, the reason the
2: reason I asked that question is just because in this whole realm of a conversation we're talking about, there are always yeah. the, there are always the purest type like old school dudes who are like, man, I don't even use any pedals. I just plug straight into the amp and I just go, you know, right. Um, <laughs> which I uh, love the dudes in Deathbreaker and was super like bummed when Kevin got a pedal board. Because <laughs> Kevin was just a plug it into the amp kind of guy for like Did years. Did you
1: guys get announced as them? once
2: oh yeah that's happened we've been yeah on stage i was actually there when they said the wrong name and i like called the mc back and was like hey man no we're actually death Uh. therapy not death breaker (laughs) so totally yeah i think
0: uh i think there's a fine line between um relying on your you know technology or or gear or whatever uh and mm-hmm. using it to expand your creative horizons uh, when i first started american arts and i had no idea that if this was going to work uh if it was even an option um i you know bought several pedals and then sent them back because ideas that i had didn't work um mm-hmm. and and so um you know it, it was a slow evolution for sure uh and i think that you know a lot of people could look at it and say yeah the the gear is sort of a crutch at that point because it is we do the looping which is sort of like having a a lead guitarist we do the octave which is sort of like having a bass but um but for for me it's just more of like you said the the challenge right the um you know how big can i make this one instrument sound and 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 you're always adding new things i know just recently i um within the last year I uh, I started stringing my guitar with baritone strings and we're tuning down to drop B and we went down to drop A for a song on the new album. So, you know, just trying to find that new territory and expand your horizons because anybody can put together a band with six or seven musicians and have layer upon layer of incredible, you know, sounding things. But
2: um as long as you can get those musicians together and to agree right i was just i was just gonna say but then can you get those six or (laughs) seven musicians to go on
0: a tour without killing
2: each other right um if you can get them together then you can totally make it sound full is i agree with that point and yeah that's i think that's part of the fun and honestly like i've made the joke before but like no there's no guitar player and bass player who's ever been as tight with each other as i am with myself (laughs) so like as long as me and the drummer are tight right like now all of a sudden we have a sound that's tighter than a lot of bands who have four or five guys because um the the backing track is is tight (laughs) so i've made it a little harder on my i made it a little harder on myself bringing a keyboard player and um you know and stuff like that but I guess yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's it's a challenge, but there's also the like I said, there's the upsides of like if we're if we're really clicking, you know, if we're really tight, then it's hard for anybody to touch how tight we are.
1: Yeah, So yeah. that's a, that's a good point. And even like I know just like from the way like me and Evan have clicked and stuff like that, and and thinking about bringing it, you know, if it, it, we we'll probably always stay a two piece, but like. Thinking about the way like if we were to try and bring someone else into that fold, like you said, like you're bringing a whole different like musical style live and and, and, right. and writing and stuff into the fold and and trying to make that I think probably both on a personal and musical level trying trying to get everyone in a band to mesh is probably <laughs> the top Find right. four or five six or whatever people or even three for that matter that all mesh musically and and artistically and even from a stage presence perspective is is probably the hardest thing and 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 we talk all all the time both about the benefits like people people ask us like as a two piece you know what's what 's the hardest things or what 's the biggest benefits mm. or and you know of course there 's some challenges, but I honestly tell people like it's it 's mostly feels beneficial live we just right. feed off each other and we play we click really well we have since the beginning, and then even on a personal level, like from a logistics standpoint, getting two people in one place right. is a lot easier than getting five people in one place or getting two people. You mentioned, you know, some of us and a lot of us in the scene in the industry currently have other jobs and stuff too. Right. So, like, getting two people to be able to take the time off for a festival or a tour that we want to do is a lot easier than getting a whole band so it it makes it you know like you mentioned more more sustainable long-term too we don't have to go back and forth about well so-and-so wants to tour more well so-and-so has to work more you know so right
2: when i when i when i left becoming the archetype it, and this happens to tons of people's favorite bands it wasn't it wasn't because i wanted to quit the band it was because other people in the band wanted to tour constantly
0: mm-hmm.
2: um at that particular point in time and my wife was pregnant and about to have our first child and i mm-hmm. said i said i told her i'm not going to be out on the road touring when we have a child like i just not going to do that so the band had a choice to either slow itself down to my pace yeah or or to move on without me and at that point they didn't want to slow down which is fine but my point is a lot happens to a ton of bands so if you start a band if you start a band with a certain pace of like a person or two or whatever and you're like look this is the pace we live on and if we get to do more stuff that's awesome um and if we don't get to do stuff nobody's going to be pissed you know um then then that, that actually works way better for the band moving forward which is why you see if you watch and i mean i know you know this but like a lot of people who don't know the inside baseball of the industry if you watch your favorite bands over time a lot of times you'll rec- you'll see certain members falling away and there's there's this like you'll find out there's like one dude who basically like he sets the pace of the band yeah. and he and he oftentimes yeah. writes most of the music <laughs> and he kind of is the band and so mm-hmm. like when you can just sort of start with that as the piece that you, you know what i mean that yeah. it's a great you're, point You're saving a lot of trouble so
0: yeah i think that you see so many creative projects that fall apart because of the the pacing is not equal between the members and the the the, the more members you take out of that and the more you reduce that number um two things happen i think one there's it's more likely that the that a smaller number of people are going to be able to match the pace but two it's more obvious when there is a disconnect in the pace if i want to go fast and jesse wants to go slow or vice versa it's really easy for us to figure out where that disconnect is we don't have to there there doesn't need to be factions forming in the group there doesn't need to be things said behind backs or anything like that because i can see that the, the pace that he wants to go and he can see the pace that I want to go. And, and it go might even be that compromise at that point is easier because you're just taking the average of two people's yeah. paces. I was going to say, together. even if
1: there is a, a, some sort of a disconnect or disagreement, it's a lot easier for him to just sh- shoot me a text or hit me up on a call and just be like, Hey, where do we, how do we meet in the middle here? Right. Like, and, 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 you know, sometimes it's, it's me realizing that, you know, his side might, might be, might work the best for the betterment of the band or, or, you know, might vice versa, or, you know, where it's a lot easier to find a way to meet in the middle, like, Hey, okay, you need time for this. Let's, let's sacrifice this so that we can do this later on. Yeah. Um, and there's,
2: and there's another level at which, like, I mean, it's something that I've noticed in my own, like, so, so I'm, I'm 37 this year, hooray for me. Right um you have a happy birthday i don't know when it is but it's
0: sometime this yeah. year so it'll be this year i usually <laughs> yeah. have i usually happy, have happy a birthday,
2: birthday. <laughs> i usually have one each year but um uh i was 20 years old when we signed uh with with solid state records and we went we went touring across the world and i remember being like i remember i can remember that i was 20 because i can remember there were things like rental cars we couldn't do because nobody was 21. <laughs> yep um and it was weird to us because we were like we're, you know, I thought that was eighteen, but anyway, some states it's twenty one <laughs> yeah but um yeah. Uh, but at thirty seven I not only have a different pace for myself, I have two kids and a wife, and um but I also have friends who live at their so what I'm trying to say is like I have a drummer who plays with me a lot. He's played with me since the beginning. When I first started this thing, I asked several drummers, did they want to play with me? And most of them were like, boo, this is lame. Because my demos are usually really oh, bad. No. Um, <laughs> you have to have like, you have to
1: have a super, like, I'm you have to have super demos and just yeah. laughing.
2: My imagination, like I can hear a really bad demo and I know what it's going to sound like. But to try to get other people. So I have a, the, the guy who eventually was like, yeah, dude, totally. He's the guy that I want because he is willing to take it slow and trust me and my vision. He's not trying to take over. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't get hurt. You know, if it's uh, if I can't do an opportunity or, or if he's not available and I have to bring a different drummer, but, but then there's another component that a lot of people don't know about death therapy. And that is, I have a friend, a uh, really good friend of mine. His name is Brian. If you look on all of our uh, liner notes, most of the keyboard parts were written by Brian, Brian Wages. Mm. Um, He doesn't, he's not looking to tour. He doesn't want to play shows. He's like, but he loves making music and he and I get along super well. So actually what I do is I just write my stuff and then I just email it to Brian. I don't even tell him what to do. I just say, Hey man, just go hog wild. And, (laughs) and then he'll send me back. He'll send me back like 30 stems for different keyboard parts in the song. And sometimes I'll use, all 30, and sometimes I'll use 10, yeah. you know? Um, and there's no egos involved. I guess is what I'm saying is it's like, I can remember being 20 years old in a band with four other guys, and there was so much, even though we thought we were humble Christian dudes, there was so much ego of like, I guess what I'm saying is, I feel like a lot of bands that sustain and they stay for a long time, it's because they reach a place of maturity where the egos go away, and each person finds the role that works for them, And yeah, it's, I think it's a cool place to be, honestly. And I'm kind of glad that I'm there. I know some people are bummed that I couldn't find that place with Becoming the Archetype. Um, But we all live in different states and we all what's weird is we all have two kids, every, I think. So every person in Becoming the Archetype now has two kids and lives in a different state for the most part, other than like one or two of us. And it's just, you know what I mean? To get all those people, to get all those people's schedules synced up is super unlikely
0: now approaching it from the other side though um you know this is something that i have dealt with and i just wonder if you if you've dealt with it as well do you ever look at the music and say man uh, could this song be a better song if i was willing to kind of step outside of that you know that paradigm and if there was a, a guitar come down and obviously with the dance therapy stuff you you know you had some guys come in and do some really cool guitar So yeah that's i was gonna run- say you had
2: jack from more of ages right yeah and daniel from phineas yeah. yep. King. but
0: that's obviously um, not not your main thing so do you ever do you ever find yourself um in that position where you're thinking uh, man this this would make the song better or is that just something that's always going to exist i think i remember being in a band with two guitarists and wishing we had three so we could play harmony yeah. parts while another guy was doing rhythm. So is yeah. that just something that we had? Becoming the,
2: Arch- Becoming the Archetype had three guitar players for the first several tours you, we did. You
0: probably wanted four a couple times, right? Yeah. So you could have- Cause it was just <laughs>
2: <clears throat> extra chunky, but, um, well, I've thought of it. It usually comes in, it usually comes in hindsight. It's usually sort of like when I'm recording it, I'm like, dude, this just this is, this is awesome. This is what it needs to sound like. Um, And then I'll put the song out and then I'll realize in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe if this had had a guitar on it, it would have been a lot heavier to people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, there's a particular, so for instance, um, on the last record, I, so the first record everything's in D uh, or at least is D tuning on the bass. I realized that if I um, D standard, I realized that if I went below the key of D on the bass, it sounded super weird and floppy, and the octave thing didn't work um, as well. Well, but then for some reason, I threw that out the window and decided I was going to do three songs in the key of B for the second <laughs> record. And I thought, well, just make them so much heavier. Well, you, you know, you all these all these bands tuned out to like G and F right. now. Were you using um, jail bars as bass strings at that point? Like, how- <laughs> yeah, uh, garden hose. <laughs> right. And uh, um, but then uh, but then when we play them live. Since I'm not switching over to like a five string or something mm-hmm. just tuning down, those songs don't translate live at all. Like they sound like it just goes it just sounds like sludge <laughs> right. And, and so yeah, in hindsight, I've looked back and I'm like, "Ah oh, man, either we just can't play those songs, or I almost need to like get my keyboard player to pick up a guitar for that song. My guitar <laughs> My keyboard player is, is an all-around amazing musician. he plays, he plays keyboard, guitar everything he sings he's great
1: just have him have a guitar strapped to his back while or, he's playing or a keys keytar and just, there yeah. you go i don't a know the, the whole Merge stage might
0: spontaneously combust if there's a death therapy song <laughs> <a> guitar, <laughs> guitar player came out on them
2: there's uh <laughs> the very first uh the very first tour i ever did in my life was with uh a band that i know you guys will remember but some people don't remember the band showbread yeah yep. Yep. and showbread at that point in their career had a keytar player um, was that when they were still wearing the red pants? Oh yeah, oh, yeah oh, they were rocking gosh. the red pants. There were seven guys on stage yep. the, uh, the drummer had like a drum a kick Incredible. a kick drum that was like bigger than the whole drum set. It was unbelievably amazing. um yep, so sometimes I think man, I just need to get a tar for my keyboard player, you know, none of this stationary keyboard nonsense. My
0: brother uh played a guitar in a band that we were in together <laughs> uh, back in the day, and then he. That got you know that was one of those novelty things at a show, right? Um, and then he moved on to playing a guitar hero guitar, which he had he had worked out how to program that into <laughs> that's uh, amazing yeah, through MIDI. Um, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, so I think you'd probably get a couple of raised eyebrows. Uh, there'd probably be some people that uh, would would stop by. Well, you could only
2: play with guitar hero guitars. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. So
0: what? Uh, so what's up next for? death therapy then as we move hopefully out of this quarantine period obviously the whole summer festival season is yeah uh, is now not going to happen but
2: we're playing a festival that seems to be like the only one that's trying to happen in july we're playing a festival in indiana called kingdom come festival
1: Hmm.
2: uh july 10th and 11th in kokomo indiana with spoken and disciple and a bunch of other cool bands um it's a really fun like free festival they do every year um so people just come and make donations and stuff so it's like a little crowd so i think it probably will happen because it's not like it's not like uh some of these festivals where there's like fifty thousand people there to see the main stage right you know
1: yeah
2: um this is a like it's a one stage festival a smaller kind of family atmosphere so i think it may work it's um so that's July. And then after that, though, you're right. Like everything else fell through for July. Audio feed got moved to – second. is it second week of August or first week of It's August? Labor Day weekend. Yeah, Labor audio Day weekend. F- audio feed, yeah. So audio feed is happening, and I'm excited about that. And then – Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Cross <laughs> oh, your <yeah>. fingers. <laughs> that's, I that's know. I, there's still the possibility that all this stuff gets canceled for yeah. good because yeah. now that – I saw some report on the news yesterday saying – you know second wave is now officially here because of you know people have been out so much i don't know um, changes every bla- week we never know yeah they blame my state for that i guess because i'm in georgia and, <laughs> yeah you guys are like the first um, ones to open up right <laughs> but what's so okay never mind i'm not going down that road <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> that's what's, a
1: whole other part what's two weird of the i was just
2: gonna say what's weird about that is like my church is still not open mm-hmm. um and it's, you know, with Georgia supposedly been open and like, you know, everybody's strangers making out with strangers in the parking lots and stuff. <laughs> but like, it's everything's closed. Like, you can't even yeah. go sit down in the Chick fil A, which is that's like church. And <laughs> the Lord's um, chicken. The Lord's chicken. <laughs> but uh waffle house is open praise the
0: lord oh, so yeah, well man. they never pass health code standards anyways so <laughs> that nothing is the new.
1: odd thing it's like I'm, I'm we're we just recently started opening up over the past like week or two um like a week or so ago a little over a week ago i think now they announced that like they were officially reopening yeah. most parts of the state, and then this week they officially announced that like salons and stuff that was the big thing here in Michigan. Like salons and barber shops and tattoo shops still weren't allowed to open, and we were pretty sure the last state left where that was the case, or one yeah. of the last ones. And but like you said, even now that everybody's allowed to be open, like occasionally I've gone to get something from the store, like oh I need this you know part for something, and then they're still closed and it's like half of the stores are open half of them aren't and every time i like need to go get something unless it's groceries i don't know like is it even worth leaving the house because is like i like call places now like hey uh are you got am i allowed to come there like
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally well i guess all i'm saying is i'm hopeful that these festivals will happen i think uh i think life fest uh August rescheduled to yep. August. Yeah, right yep. after the weekend after Labor. Are you Day. on that one too? Yep. Cool. Well Sweet maybe you. we'll see yep. each other if and hoping hoping to play Uprise Fest still, which is in September, cool. which is always a wonderful festival. And uh and we'll see what else. So so what's what's ahead for Death Therapy is trying to prepare for those. Um hoping that they happen. Learning to play with a mask on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, um I'm so super jealous of like slipknot and bands yeah. like that because they just they, they don't even have they, yeah, to adjust. Used to it. Yeah. yeah. They just have to make sure everyone in the crowd wears a mask. I um, think
0: we'll I think we'll probably see a rise in, in vocalists bringing their own microphone for the time being, which isn't necessarily not, a bad thing. I know my wife not, always says, You know how many colds you've probably contracted by Sharing a microphone with somebody at a show.
2: So I'm gonna live forever as a result. I would right. never yeah. I've I've played Chain Reaction enough times that I don't have to worry about coronavirus.
1: Um, I was gonna say with some of the venues that we've all probably played, we're i'm sure immune to almost any
2: yeah Ebola, yes. by work. the way i love chain reaction i've said two things about <laughs> it that make it sound like i don't i have the picture on my wall yeah because i love cha- yeah i love chain reaction uh we played some of our best shows there um, we
0: love it too but the next time we go back i'm hooking my pedal board up to a car battery i'm not there trusting them go. i'm not trusting any of those plugs
1: <laughs> no yeah it's a super rad venue it's, it, yeah, it, yeah. i love how they i mean it's it's a legendary venue in the scene but i mean even just how they have all those those shirts covering the walls and the ceiling yeah. and everything it's 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 super rad to walk in there and see some of the People that have have rolled through over the years, and but yeah, it's uh we we will have to be aware of the now now we know I guess our <laughs> issue. That
2: yeah, you gotta yeah, listen. All, all you gotta do this is, is an easy solution. There's a Home Depot nearby. You go rent a generator. Yep. You throw it. You throw it just outside the door in the front. You tell them, look, I'm gonna run this generator for our 35 minute set. <laughs>
0: it's cornerstone
2: it's... festival 2008
0: all over again exactly
1: <laughs> we should just have that on that could be like another shtick that we do we just have a have a generator on stage because <laughs> nothing can power our gear and
0: everyone
2: dies of the carbon
1: monoxide yeah. poisoning
0: and you don't need any uh interludes uh in between your songs because everyone can just listen to the generator roar, yeah. so. <laughs> right face on family really picked us up at that show though when our when our stuff uh, cut out I heard all, they I all heard. sang our songs and it was really cool so we owe them big time well yeah man yeah.
2: totally well thank so, yeah, you so other much than, for... other the, yeah oh, other than the show, other than the shows just like if people will kind of keep checking out the new music that's my goal new music I'm gonna try to crank out a bunch of stuff so absolutely, yeah, and, absolutely. and
0: Spotify uh Apple Music yeah all where can people services. find yeah
2: yeah it's on everything um as of right now the stuff I'm releasing is independent so it's um it's going through the. You know, the Distro Kid kind of route. So it's on all the platforms. Cool. Um, like every once in a while, Distro Kid will hit you up with a like, hey, your song is now available on McDonald's Kids Club Music or something. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I didn't know that I, that was a thing. You know, like there's like a toy that they just released at McDonald's that's got my song on it or something. Actually, that would be amazing. That would be go. really
1: cool. That would be amazing. Well,
2: I think that's the gold standard.
1: Yeah. do you get free like complimentary meals then while you're on the road <laughs> if they use your song like like if taco bell decides yeah. to use one of our songs does that mean we get free beefy five layer burritos every time we want to stop totally i'm the worst
2: about i'm the worst when i'm on the road because now just so when we used to tour uh and and i was younger we would just eat like taco bell and you know we would yeah. have like a five dollar per diem and it was like well what can <laughs> What can I eat that's gonna only be five dollars for right. a day? Um, but now I'm now I'm in my like late thirties, I guess officially in my late thirties, and I. Uh, you said thirty-seven. Ju- yeah, no, that's mid thirties. Mid thirties. Yeah, oh, mid thirties.
0: Okay. Late thirties is like the back 39. half of
2: thirty-eight, and and all of thirty-nine. Mid- so, okay. Late thirties is thirty-nine and three. Quarters. Yeah, you're still mid thirties. <laughs> um, but but now I guess what I'm saying is, so now I've settled into this thing in my life where like when I go out on tour, I want to like find whatever the awesome local place to eat is. Yeah. Yep. And like, 100%. I don't, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, I just like try to avoid Taco Bell, like the plague, when I'm on tour now.
1: <laughs> um, yeah.
2: Because I did it so much. I ate so much. We learned, I guess this was in late nineties, early two thousands. We learned that the cheapest thing we could eat and be totally full was to go to Waffle House and get the triple order of hash browns with everything on it
1: yep and it, uh yeah it, like do- it was like four
2: it was like four dollars and it was like four pounds of food um <laughs> four pounds and- of starch <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah with chili and gravy and cheese and onions and you know peppers and everything on it um and so i, I can't do that anymore when i'm on tour so usually <laughs> i'll just try to find like what's the cool place around here that we need to go to so. yeah look up look for those food instagrams
1: We almost we spend like the drive between cities having whoever's not driving look up like the most like the coolest or most ridiculous like local place to eat if we know we're going to have time either that or like me and Evan because we try and eat as healthy as we can, you know, relatively while we're home. Right. When we get on tour, usually the first day, like that <laughs> first gas station stop to fill up, like the tank, we're like Not all good. gung-ho about, yeah! Cut loose! Like, let's grab all the, like, yeah. the danishes and gas station junk food we can. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> inevitably by that first afternoon, by the end of the first drive, me and Evan are both just kind of like, yeah, uh, this was a bad idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> So it oh, sounds like we
2: should tour together since we're yeah, both we're, uh, looking for those. Those cool I thoughts. think, I think that needs to happen regardless. And I think we need to, when we do that, we need to coordinate beforehand and come up with a way to like leave the gear on stage and play a couple songs together. Yes. I think would be, would be awesome. I would
1: love that. Let, yeah. Let's make it happen.
0: Sure. Totally. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being on with us today. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're looking forward to hopefully getting to connect with you at some of these festivals and
1: <laughs> yeah. hopefully seeing you in person in yeah. a couple months.
0: Yeah. Hopefully getting outside of uh, the four walls Before of our house. a couple houses, of years or a couple
1: yeah. decades, who knows?
0: Cool. All right, man, yeah. we'll have a good one. Stay safe. Yep. Uh, and I hope and pray for you that your Chick-fil-A is open soon. Thank you. <laughs> yes. All right. See easy. you later, man. Thank you for listening to the American Arson podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a positive comment or review. Connect with us online through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter. And check out AmericanArson.com for music, merch, and upcoming tour dates. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, stay inspired, stay positive, and keep creating.